0: You're listening to the Water and Real Life podcast, the podcast for people who want to become better leaders by becoming better communicators. Why? Because those who tell the stories rule the world. We're your hosts, the H2 duo, Stephanie Corso and Arianne Shipley. So without further ado, let's get to the show. We are so excited to be here with Christina Amadpour with Isle Utilities. Christina, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I know that this is not the first conversation that we've had together, but um, yeah, I I think this one is going to be, I think we needed like a few iterations. Uh, You know, we had to prototype. (laughs) We had to prototype our chat and uh, some of the things that we were talking about, talking about before are just who, we had no idea what was coming down the path. So I'm so glad to be having this conversation with you now. So thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, glad to be here.
0: I'm going to let Arianna kick us off.
2: All right. So, every time we kind of think about like maybe dropping this question and kicking it off, kicking off the convo in like a new, fresh way, um, something happens and like we have a conversation with someone else and it changes our mind. So, we recently just had this conversation with a friend um, who's new to the industry and first thing right out the gate, they, they wanted to know what our origin story was. So it was just this reminder of like, how this experience connects us and how important it is to talk about that. So first question (laughs) right out the gate for you is, did you choose water or did water choose you?
1: Fan Favorite. (laughs) I, um, I love that question. And just like, learning that from other people and just how yeah. we end up where we are and all the dots that connect. Um, I believe that we make choices for everything. So like our life is a is a result of all these little choices. And uh, yeah, I just think that's so fascinating on its own. So I'm definitely going to say I chose water. Um, but interestingly, um, I come from a background of water professionals. And it's funny how like you the, the dots kind of click later in life. Um, my dad has been a public water utility professional for over 30 years, um, and I used to go to work with him on weekends and uh, be around the wastewater treatment facility. I didn't really know where I was. You know, he gave me a bag of MMs, and <laughs> and I went in the corner.
2: Um, that's but what I they did to me. Now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I think about it now. I'm like, whoa, that's so cool. And then, um, like, get this, later in my 20s, 20s, okay? I found out my grandfather, uh, my dad's dad, um, was a key lead in the dam infrastructure in Iran prior to the revolution, which it's all about water access, security, um, and there's like pictures of out there on the construction site as they're building dams, and it's just like, what? So I think it was meant to be,
2: but yeah. (laughs) Literally, it was in your blood. I mean, it was. Yeah. Yeah. amazing.
0: (laughs) All right. So let's set the table a bit. I love every opportunity that you and I get to chat because my brain jumps to all of the parallels in sort of our personal missions in, in life, in this, in our work, in this industry, we are, we're cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. Uh, And so like, let's start off by just talking about innovation using my air quotes in general, because. It's definitely become a buzzword, as I think you would agree. And we have our own versions of that when even communications has sort of become a buzzword and definitely story and storytelling. And I think that sometimes when something becomes a buzz, we get really excited about talking about it, Mm. but we get stuck in the actual doing of Mm -hmm. it or really even on the base level of understanding what exactly that means and looks like.
2: So you have
0: your ear uh, to this, to this industry's, let's imagine for a moment, let me rephrase that. Let me, let's imagine for a moment that you have the ear of all the emerging leaders in the industry right now. What is your message to them to reframe this perspective of innovation in our industry so we can transform it from a noun to a verb?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's such like Ooh. a big question too. The big one. Um, <laughs> there's so many ways I want to go with that. Um, but yeah, buzzwords, right? Like there's always buzzwords and we latch onto it and it gets really exciting. It's creating momentum and excitement and, you know, innovation as a buzzword, like great, like Mm -hmm. let's do something about it. Right. To your point. So, um, I think to answer your question specifically, um, for the emerging leaders, um, so I'll I'll start with a quote that's like resonated with me since I think in college, it, it like got a light bulb going and it's been kind of a guide for me, which is do not go where the path may lead instead go where there's no path and leave a trail, something like that. Yeah. Um, and, um, I think that's really important because I think especially a lot of emerging leaders are like, okay, well. Let me, let me talk to those that have already done it. Let me learn from the senior utility managers or the vice presidents of global consulting, blah, blah, blah. Um, while that's great and there's amazing experience to learn from and I think we should be asking questions and trying to learn You know what's inspired them and what's working and what's not. Um, I'm not trying to discount the value there, but I think there's a lot of value in emerging leaders thinking about the path that they want to create and how do we not do the same thing? And and how do we create a new path for where we need to go? So I think it's really exciting if emerging leaders think about it that way. And uh, um, yeah, open new doors, set new opportunities and just recognize that everyone has the capability to do that.
0: Yeah, and I think that one of the things that um, you and I have talked about before is just this. Uh, I liked the irony in how sometimes too much too much fracture.
2: Fructu- fr- That's a combination between
0: framework and structure. Is fracture?
2: Okay. Um. I think you just created like an <laughs> yeah. awesome new word that we'll yeah, probably- fracture. We're gonna hashtag that. Okay. So let's take it a step further and you know really vision board or vision pod, what this looks like in action, and you know in true rogue spirit, we're not going to just complain about our problems. We say let's take action and have action items and no more paralysis by analysis. It's time to get or shit or get off the pot. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about ways to prototype. I love prototyping. Let's talk about ways to prototype or test solutions by starting with those top challenges. Um, You've shared three of them with us and you want to like start with, you said people was one of them. You want to start with people? Yeah. People
1: is one, uh, leadership's the other, and uh, just procurement. Those are some, those are top three. Yeah. So, um, we're talking about action, right? Like how to get beyond this, like buzzword of innovation. There's a lot of fluff around it. Um, and so how, how, how is a barrier to innovation people, but how is it also an opportunity is kind of how I think about it. Um, I just, you can't have innovation without people. Like that's Mm -hmm. straightforward. That's, that's the reality. Um, and I think just about, you know, uh, collaboration, people need to come together and whether we're talking about water utilities or just frankly, any organization, there needs to be alignment. There has to be internal collaboration to get things done because, um, there's just no shortage of things to focus on. And so, um, I think that really starts with leadership. So there's a lot of intersection with, I think, these challenges. There needs to be clarity on what innovation actually means so that people can come together and follow. Yeah. yeah. Um, So and it's, you know, with all the organizations that we work with, um, innovation is a little bit different. It it could be implementing new technology. It could be, you know, really focusing on customer solutions or so. There's a lot of different ways. Um, So, yeah, for people, it's belief. Do you Mm -hmm. believe in what that innovation philosophy is? Um, Do you feel like you belong to what, you know, what that is? What's the focus? Mm -hmm. Do you have a role in actually executing? Do you feel like you're being included in the conversation? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think that's really important because kind of going back to innovation, you know, that that kind of fluffy piece at the top. We can talk about innovation all day, but if we're not really focused on the people, what their barriers to success are, Mm -hmm. what what motivates them, and that they're part of the solution, you're just not gonna have that like internal engagement. And it just it honestly, that's that's what either takes an organization forward or that becomes the the sink where things just can't happen.
2: Yeah, Yeah. And I think it's like, you know, if you're looking around your organization going, my people aren't innovating or coming to me with innovative ideas i want i've like ask yourself like have you created a safe culture for them to come mm-hmm. with you with to i with ideas to you so i think that's important you bring up the the inclusivity and yeah. um and just being open to that feedback and listening and so yeah
1: yeah and i i think um well i know, you know a lot of the utilities that we work with on creating a a program for innovation. And and again, like what does innovation mean and how do they execute on it? The common roadblock that I hear, um, on their behalf is, you know, how do I create a culture of innovation internally? How do I get my people excited? They're, they have their day job. How do I get them to care about innovation? And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, that's, that's a valid point, but how do you get that to be a part of their day Mm -hmm. job? It's, it's, um, how is innovation really integral? It's it's a it's an approach, it's a it's a mindset, it's not like a widget, you know. So how do you yeah. get people to feel feel that way? So um yeah, this anyway. is when I get
0: excited, <laughs> yeah. Like about that culture, question, sure like
1: change,
2: yeah, like asking that question. Well, what do you think to the person who you never asked that question to, you know, mm. and listening, like it's so oh
0: it's like so obvious, but also so overlooked all the time. And uh, so this is when I start to get excited with the communication thread because Mm -hmm. culture change, I mean, that's one of the metrics of effective communication is you're not going to change anything if you're not uh, conveying the vision you have, if you're not welcoming people in and their ideas, uh, like all of that takes that that skill of knowing how to speak uh, to people in a way that's going to inspire and motivate them. And also just being incredibly mindful of uh, the different audiences that you're speaking to. Like I, I think you've said before, just kind of that what's in it for them mentality where you can't just talk about this new process or way of innovating new ideas and bringing new technology Mm -hmm. or whatever into your organization, you can't talk about it the same way to, to your whole organizational body. It's going to take some thought and, and rolling up at a meeting with a PowerPoint presentation is not going to inspire Mm -hmm. anyone into doing anything.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I, it's, I think, you know, I haven't been in the water industry for decades. Right. Um, But I think the value of emotional intelligence and listening and humility. Mm. around bringing people together is so important. And I, I do think, you know, um, kind of, I keep going back to water utilities. Those are the key partners that we work with. I think there's a lot more attention to that and a lot more, um, understanding of the importance of that. And and there are some really great leaders out there prioritizing that. Um, yeah. so,
0: yeah, I really liked what was. You said this quote one time when we were talking about, was it, um, Lead me, follow me, or
1: get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was my like more gentle version of what Ariane said earlier. Oh, shit or get out <laughs> get, <laughs> get off, the, off pot. the pot. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'll leave, and,
1: I'll leave it to you guys to say that. There you go um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and
2: great. yeah.
0: For emerging leaders, I mean, that's so I feel like that is the rally cry for so many emerging mm-hmm. leaders is they're just they're ready. And so yeah, they either want to lead or follow or
2: you know don't be don't be a uh, a roadblock can mm-hmm. i just add like since we're talking about people in one of my my i guess pet peeves or call to actions is like if you're if you've been in this industry for decades um and you're still the one that's always going to all the conferences i need mm-hmm. you to get out of the way yeah mm-hmm. i need you to stay home because i'm so tired of seeing emerging leaders this is my first time to come to a conference. This is my first time. I'm like, you're about to lead this organization. You're oh. about to lead the entire industry. This better not be your first time.
1: Yeah, so yeah. That's
2: kind of like. Mm. I remember the last. Uh, I think it was Ace. I don't remember what year it was now. Because what year we? <laughs> yeah. And you know, one of my friends who I used to work with. That was his very first Ace, and he has been. In the ma- managerial level for years, and and the guy above him that those two went, mm-hmm. and I don't want to give too many descriptors because I'm sure that are listening. <laughs> uh, you know, new to assistant director level, and then a, a manager, and they had been in those kind of in that weird space between I'm not new, but I'm not the leader yet, and this was their first time to ever mm-hmm. go, and I'm like, I've I've gone four or five times. This should you should have been here four or five times before me. Yeah. So that's my call to action. Stay home and let the people below you go to your damn conferences.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Cause that's where so many of the conversations around and that's where you find all this innovation
1: and this amazing stuff. Yes. And meet Christina. I think, I I think there's so, and yeah, we did meet Ace, didn't we? Yes. I was awesome. I think it was
2: Ace. Um, it was one of them. One yeah. <laughs> I'll give Wef Tech a shout out too. Yeah. Yeah, We
1: love all of them. Um, but yeah, that's, that's actually the point. There's so many conferences right now and especially with the pandemic with the virtual element. So I do think it's, it's a way to engage a much broader base. I think yeah. organizations should be working collaboratively with AWWA and WEF and like, how can we ex- expose more of our staff, our team, um, so I do think that's going to open up a lot of opportunity and, um, and yeah, divide and conquer. There's like just so many out there. Uh, I do have a worry that the budget cuts that yeah have happened, that are happening, right? And mm-hmm. travel the restrictions,
2: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So organizations I'm talking to, that's like the first thing that's being cut. So um, I guess also a call to action is that those that are putting on these types of forums to really think about a virtual element and how to yeah, engage yeah. It still
2: needs to be hybrid. I feel like. Yeah. 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 Yeah,
0: Just for that piece. And Mm -hmm. I think we've gotten better at doing it. And, you know, when it's not something that has to be completely live, when it can be after the fact and the way that people have been able to pivot and still get people credits and things like that, CEUs and and whatnot, like not live. That's, that's a good, um, It's a good pivot. But um, when when we've asked other professionals in the space and even in some of our uh, in our conversations, of course, you know, funding always comes up. You mentioned that a few moments ago, but I like that instead of talking about funding, you change the word to procurement, because I think there's always the possibility to get creative in how we fund things. But it's ultimately the red tape, the stiflers that get in the way, the bureaucracy of it all that really slows things down. So mm-hmm. the, next, the next challenge that you mentioned that we want a vision board next with you is procurement and what that could look like in the future mm-hmm. by being innovative. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. no doubt this is a like top roadblock for innovation. I'd say ask any organization out there, any utility organization, this is gonna come up as a top five at least. Um, I do think, um, So I I tackle this with a little bit of a different mindset. I might be a little bit more uh, bold in saying, like, I think there's a lot that we're not doing and there's a lot of possibilities. And it comes from some of my experience outside of water. Um, Mm -hmm. So I spent six years in banking uh, during college. um, And I worked as an environmental procurement officer for a city and county for a very short time. Um, So I just... Like, I strongly believe there's always a way, um, you know, and so I think we need to look at procurement that way. Like, what is the path forward? Not, oh, you know, we have these rules and policies, state code, HR, whatever, um, that doesn't allow us. Um, So there are some solutions that I think we should be considering as an industry, Um, you know, funding aside, maybe we can talk about that, but just for procurement is about facilitating the acquisition of a product or service, you know, and innovation to be a part of it. Number one, a lot of procurement is low cost. So how do we create the models to look at solutions for the betterment of the utility as a whole? Um, Maybe qualitative aspects, not just dollars, but, you know, environmental, customer benefit, community benefit. So the challenge or the opportunity um, that I want to put out there is like, how are we as organizations framing procurement in a way that gets us the best solution?
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: are, is it, are we not really thinking about, you know, the best interest of our communities that we serve and our customer? Um, so that's getting away from just price. It's about qualitative attributes. The other is um, we pilot things to death in the water industry, <laughs> you know, you know I'm
2: what deaf. I mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: So, you know, if we talk about innovation in the startup community, like there's only, it's a small, small team, typically starting your, your team of one, your team of five. And you're just, you really just want to get that first client so that you can validate your product, get that next sale and then become like a Megan Glover. Who's extremely successful, right? Like, right to yeah. her, um, Shut up. <laughs> but there are so many solutions that are really exciting. There's great entrepreneur entrepreneurship behind it. It is solving a challenge, or they are solving challenges, um, but the the procurement doesn't allow us to move at a pace that really embraces the possibilities. So, and there are some reasons behind that. We could talk. I mean, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but if we think about how we can help our community by not piloting the same thing Mm. and setting up pilots in a way that can robustly validate so that not just my utility, but many other utilities can also benefit from the time that I spent my stuff, you know, that I sent my staff or the dollars. So how can you create a culture of collaboration and sharing with other peers that accelerate procurement for the next guy um, or gal? So I think that's another area I'd like to see water utilities come together and pressure the state to allow more like piggybacking procurement contracts so that, you know, If a utility wants to sole source a vendor because it's worked really well somewhere, they don't have to go through that lengthy process and spend all that time and resources. Um, So, yeah, I'll stop there because I I think I'm going to start ranting, but those are just (laughs) some initial ideas. Keep on
2: ranting, lady. Yeah. yeah,
0: keep on ranting. You said rabbit hole. And I said, I thought rabbit hole is our middle name. So yeah. if there's ever a rabbit hole, you want to go down. Yeah. Uh, but but I love that you mentioned, um, well, I love that you mentioned your own background. And it's not just in water and how you've been able to put those, put that perspective and experience into play as you're trying to think of solutions in our sector. So are there other places, are other sectors that you have seen that have given you some more inspiration outside of your own personal experience, but just in better
1: ways to do this procurement? Yeah, well, I think the reality is, yes, is is public um, utilities and uh, public organizations, there's a little bit more restriction. Mm. So of course, I can look to um, other regulated industries, you know, similarly, like the energy industry, Um, I think there's a lot of great lessons learned we call it sort of transfer of knowledge into water that we could be looking at yes. I think that is that goes back to leadership and are we like getting outside of our water drop or bubble <laughs> and like are we thinking <laughs> about what we can learn from other sectors you know mm-hmm. um and this just made me think of another thing which I think is tied to procurement and in some of these topics which is you know um if we're really wanting to push the needle in the industry and leverage the best tools out there to achieve our goals, right. Protect public health, um, protect the environment um, you know, enhance life for our communities. You know, maybe it's a little bit of a realization that some utilities just have a lot of bureaucratic layers and, you know, perhaps that that energy and opportunity can go with an organization that that has a little bit more autonomy, like, mm-hmm. um, and I see this cause we work with so many different types of organizations um, and, their different organi- and their different governance structures. So like public works, city utilities tend to have a lot of bureaucratic layers. I mean, this super respectfully, right? I'm not trying to offend anyone, <laughs> Yeah. Um, but then you have like districts and agencies and authorities.
2: Right. You kind have a in- quasi government that have yep. a little bit more free freedom or.
1: Yeah. Legality. Yeah. yeah. And then we have investor-owned utilities. Their incentives are a little different. The way that they can justify mm-hmm. projects are a little bit different. So maybe as an industry, we also put more like wind under the wings of those that can mm-hmm. really lead, right? It kind of goes back to lead, follow, mm-hmm. or get out of the way. Yeah. Let's really just maybe put some more energy behind those that can make things happen quickly, mm-hmm. that validates the opportunity, and then the industry has more sort of foundation to build off of. So that's just kind of a thought um, in reflection as well. Yeah. That yeah, low that's hanging it. fruit.
2: Yeah. I mean, on our other side of our, on our right side of our body with our LLC that we run. Hmm. Um, I mean, that's, that was the first thing we learned right out the gate was the, those low hanging, like we couldn't go after the big, the big cities because it was going to take way too much time to hmm. create a proposal for them and, and not a fast turnaround. So yeah, I mean, there's, I think it'd be awesome to, yeah, like it would be awesome to like, to have that knowledge and openly start talking about that more freely. So we can say, Hey, newbies, here's a list, if you will, of the easy ones that will easy is not the right word, but you know, (laughs) the ones that are easier to, to work with initially as a startup. And then, you know, you can build your case, you can build your, your um, program or products out. And, and then as your team builds, you know, anyways, we can, And I don't think that's a dig at them
0: at all. I think it just is a reality. And I think that it's not talked about enough and that the people who are the ones in charge of making those decisions need to understand that while there is value, obviously rules do have meaning and matter, but Mm
1: -hmm.
0: also being mindful of to what extent and Mm -hmm. to what extent is this creating barriers for us wow. to provide a better quality of life for the people that we serve or for the people who live in our communities. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah so, bam yeah
2: well and then <laughs> I mean, right there yeah as you you know as you' you stated you know leadership plays a huge role in this movement uh, that you know demands culture change and so our third challenge to innovation that you gave us is all about leadership. And um, the key sounds like just this whole reframing your perspective. Um, So I want you to put on your businesswoman hat and talk about the opportunity costs leaders face by not acting, because this is an angle or language that current leadership may be, you know, not thinking about as much.
1: Yeah. Um, I think... I'm, I'm trying to integrate that more into my conversations with utility leaders and, you know, those that have the power to um, look at things differently in the organization mm-hmm. and be part of that, that cultural change that we've been talking about. Um, the concept of opportunity cost comes from like my studies in business and economics. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not like typical lingo that we use in the water industry. Mm-hmm. Um but opportunity cost is like what's the cost of not doing something. That's simply what it means, and being able to quantify it. So, when and and leaders um, include the general managers, it includes mid-level, senior management, it includes the boards. You know, we're not talking even about the boards of the utility, which we can talk about the general managers all day. But we also need to focus on leadership at the board level. Right, so those yeah. that are elected or appointed. You know. Um, to, to not just understand the water industry and take that time to understand, but set goals and direction for the, so there needs, there's just a lot, right? There's a lot that needs to be looked at. Um, and I'm starting to forget the question opportunity costs. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know there's a lot of lead up. That's how we roll. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's just framing, like how are decisions made? Are we looking at, what's the cost of not doing something? Are we looking straight at the numbers, you know? And, I think this is going to become even more important. Right now, we know that the water industry is underfunded. This is a big piece of advocacy that I think a lot of great people are advocating on, um, organizations like NACWA, NAMWA and such that are really trying to push for more funding and support for the industry. The reality is we have a big hole to get, a a big hole to close as far as uh, the funding available. And Mm -hmm. so the opportunity cost is going to become even more important as far as making decisions, because um, it's about safety. It's about staff engagement. It's about attracting the workforce. It's about cost avoidance, you know, um, and making investments today. So like, what is the lens in which we're making decisions? Are we looking at a net present value of 10 to 20 years? Are we really thinking about things in a more holistic way where opportunity cost is part of that discussion? Yeah. And I want to I want to touch back on
0: because Arian mentioned the the culture change piece again and just how how absolutely important using our buzzword story is to that and so like really the the what that means with talking about story is A, being hyper-focused on your audience first and foremost, understanding exactly who it is that you're trying to talk to and and what it is that you're really trying to get them to do. Because if you're not clear about that, then your ask is not going to be clear. And so if there are specific actions, initiatives, whatever that need to happen in, if you're a leader uh, for your organization, just you need to be clear about it. And you may have more than one, but start with one, like in your in in, a, in your one setting. So if you're giving uh some kind of presentation, staying focused on that mm. one, because if if you give us more than one at a time, our brains will just delete them all. Yeah. And, and then nothing will happen. So story is just really the narrative around how you describe the vision. And I think the biggest the biggest thing that we always try to share with folks is that when it comes to the story, it's remembering that you're not the hero
1: Mm -hmm. of the story.
0: The people who are listening are the hero. (laughs) And your story is meant to, you're like Yoda. Uh, (laughs) And so you are going to be the guide for them that lets them come into their hero ship. And so if you are a leader trying to get some kind of innovation program or something happening in your organization, then those people that you're speaking to are the heroes and they're the ones that hold the keys to taking your organization into the future. And so everything should be rooted around how you can
2: be the guide to help them do that. But yeah, mm-hmm. you're I, the,
0: you're the guide, not the hero is the and biggest takeaway.
2: Yeah. So now our next your swag is, you know, a Yoda <laughs> shirt that says something about, yes yeah. you know, Hero, hero I'm not hero I am not. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been working with
1: a coach at at Aisle to help us with storytelling. And oh, wow. that's great. like everything you just said is something that is that we're trying to sort of soak up and really understand in how we talk to the people that we serve. And um he would just be so excited to hear what you just said, Stephanie, because that's like Aww. what he's been preaching to us. So um Aww. He's, you know, what's in it for them, the concept is like, what do they care about? What are the things that um are that are important for them to accomplish and really just understanding that um is, is an important starting point. So yeah, I love that. It's it's kind of a it's it's a simple concept. It's very hard. It yeah. really changes the way that we think. And it's not just work, it's your partners, it's your friends, it's your parents, like life skills right here.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. It's alarming and frustrating sometimes, especially when trying to teach others that that mindset. It's just it seems so simple face value, but putting it into action is it takes a lot of Mm -hmm. purposeful thought. So don't. Mm -hmm. Don't beat y'all. Don't beat yourselves up. I it warms heart. my heart that you're even, you know, going recognizing that and t- and going down that path and learning. Mm. So kudos. Mm. But this is a great segue. Uh, you just <laughs> like set that right up. Um, yeah. So leadership, it's also and and talking about this story is a is a great segue into. I wanted to, and narrow in the focus a little bit because we've been talking about innovation on the big scale and let's Mm. bring it home now. So leadership requires a lot of that inward self-reflection, also self-care that we've been talking Mm. about. And I I mentioned at the beginning that we, we do have a, uh, an unaired episode. We'll have to like, it was pre COVID. So we should release it as like a time capsule (laughs) (laughs) so we can see, Oh, remember when this is what we were worried about. Mm. Um, And we, But we did. We talked about some of the challenges and solutions around managing remote teams because we both have almost exclusively remote teams. And again, we had no idea what was right around the corner for the rest of the world. But the past 18 months have been stressful for everyone, but especially for those leading teams during this time, trying to take care of their people. So talk to us about ways that you've challenged yourself as a leader to innovate around team culture and team health?
1: Yeah, um, I think this is so important and I, I every day I'm learning something new. I feel like every day is a challenge and um, just being like super intentionally reflective of what am I doing, what I could do better. Um, and yeah, I think this past year, um, I've had a big realization that to take care of others, you need to be solid yourself. Um, you Mm. kind of spoke to that Stephanie and I, I really, I've always struggled with that. Um, I, um, I enjoy what I do and I, um, I really dive in. So, um, being able to kind of, um, focus on what my needs are and and create some of those boundaries has been a really good exercise this year. Um, I still have a long way to go, to be honest. (laughs) Um, but yeah, to build a great team and culture, like first, you just have to have awesome people. And so I I want to start with a shout out with everyone on my team. I am surrounded with the most talented water professionals. And uh, they're just a big part of the energy I get every day. Um, and I think, you know, it's a lot easier to have a great team culture and work remote and get all the great things done that we that we need to and and honestly unlock potential for everything that's ahead of us if you just start with really great people so yeah. um so that's that but we do have some fun so what are some ideas um <laughs> we do like airbnb cooking classes um that's a thing that started right at the back be- at the beginning of the pandemic um we do team wellness hours um we just catch up like once a week, you know, how are you doing? We just around the kind of virtual table, just check in. I think creating that space of vulnerability is really important to just getting to know your colleagues. Um, and yeah, and we, we create space for diversity, inclusion, and learning. Like there's a lot we don't know and we're, we have a genuine interest to learn from one another. And I think that's been a big part of it. Um, of just building the culture that we have and and just prioritizing that, like creating space for authentic and vulnerable time together is just incredibly important. So,
2: yeah, I feel like someone we recently talked to Stephanie said like the top of, at the beginning of every meeting, they have a meditation minute. It was at you. I think you say that. that (laughs) Somebody recently just said that and I, it just, you know, it was so powerful to hear that because how many times are we our days are stacked with Zoom calls? Yeah. Um, and how many times in those Zoom calls you just kind of, hey everyone, how you doing? Okay, let's start the from the top mm-hmm. of the agenda and just jump right in. Yeah. You know, with that that agenda and that business only. And I catch myself doing that all the time, even in emails. And I have to go, okay, where's your like your cordial, humanity, like, be, be kind and like <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, how are you doing? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Um, I, I want you to expand on this Airbnb like f- food yeah. cooking. Like, tell <laughs> me, what is that? What are you talking about? What does that mean? Okay. If you don't
1: know, now you know Airbnb <laughs> does virtual classes. They have like tango concerts from Latin Grammy artists. They have um, what? coaching no sessions that you, what? You've never done one? No. no what are you talking okay. about? We should, we should get a, a rogue you know, cooking class going. Um, but yeah, yes. we need Indian food, uh, Indonesian food, Italian food, empanadas, like Argentinian empanadas, Mexican salsas. Like We've done, y- we
2: done a lot. <laughs> you do this, like you're all together in one space doing this, or you're like in your own space doing this together. So get this. We call into a Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going. Like this is how little we know about this. Keep going.
1: Yeah. So you organize it on Airbnb. They send you a Zoom link and you just, yeah, you do it. And you so take simple. your computer to your kitchen and you get the ingredients before. And yeah, it's oh, fun. You can bring your, your partners, your kids. Yeah. yeah. So
0: Okay. You would just yeah. see me running on and off camera, like and coming back like totally like. Covered and stuff. It's, I get. I'm such
1: a messy cook. Yeah,
2: it's it's that kind of chaos. Great.
1: Like yeah. you know, it's you know you're doing a lot of complex things in a short amount of time. So That's it's great. definitely like a little bit of adrenaline. Yeah. So
2: yeah, um, I mean our yeah. team has done like you know the yoga together, which is funny and awkward because I am not a yoga person. <laughs> like I don't it's a do lot of well. Grunting from Mary yeah. on <laughs> um, A lot of complaints coming
0: from me a over here. A lot of complaints and grunting. <laughs>
2: Um, and then (laughs) I did like this epic fail of a pizza party. (laughs) Um, we saw this, this service where you can have like your virtual pizza party. And I thought, oh my gosh, how much fun would that be? Yeah. Um, so I asked everyone like, you want to do this? And everybody was like, Mm. yeah, sounds great. (laughs) And I said, are you sure? Here's your one out. Like if you're not into pizza, like, let me know. (laughs) And no one said anything, and I was like, "Okay, cool." And so I scheduled it, and we got our pizza, and we ended up like just getting our own pizzas and stuff because it was <laughs> gonna be like a hundred dollars a person for delivered pizza, and I was like, yeah, was no, was crazy. "Just order crazy. pizza and talk, right?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so this, the idea just was cool, and it sp- you know it sparked a lot of other ideas from there. But like, hmm. it what was funny is I you know, Tim got his pizza and and Mike, his wife actually cooked their own version of frittata. Um, yeah. Because he was like, actually, I hate pizza. And I yeah. was like, <laughs> is that a thing? Well, like, he doesn't eat a lot of gluten. He so yeah. Okay. Like okay, it's okay. not a part of his diet. And so yeah. his wife made his own special one, but it was just kind of funny. Cause I was like, I'm just trying to have this, like, you think like as the boss, like, I just want to have like this pizza party. And then you don't realize like, no one's going to say, I don't like pizza, but like half of our crew is like, no, I'm cool. Like, I just want to bring my own salad or I'll bring like this. So like, there's a lesson in that to be Mm -hmm. like learned that like a hot dog party or a pizza party is not like everyone's jam. So just kind of be thoughtful of like other options. And, you know, I mean, just kind of being able to say like, after the fact they were like, well, I didn't want to ruin your like excitement. And I was like,
0: yeah. Really, not excited about
2: the pizza. It's just Fine. the meal
0: together. Yeah. It counts. And like ordering, you know, Tim is in Kentucky. So he's in Eastern time zone. And so then there was yep. a, like, she was trying to order pizza, but almost the wrong time
1: zone. And yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. It was,
0: yeah. Uh, but it, we had fun. We just, it was
1: a it funny was moment for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and you think like pizza simple, but yeah, a lot of complexity out of that one. I yeah. kind of have a similar experience with like the wellness hour. So at first, we were booking yoga. I did like high intensity fitness hour. Um, (laughs) You would. I know. Yeah. That's something I like to do, but, but that was, that was kind of my realization. It's like not everyone, that's not everyone's like, you know, desired wellness. Like um, we do have people on on the team that want to use that time for reading or meditation Mm -hmm. or doing something creative. So um, yeah, that was actually like a really good lesson learned that I had and um, we, we actually just have wellness hours blocked now where it's like, find a wellness buddy that wants to do something you want to do, check in Amazing. with each other. But like, oh, I love that it's your time. Don't, you don't have, we don't as leaders and just anyone that wants to do these types of things, like you don't need to overstress about like trying to create the perfect thing, just like create yeah, the space yeah. for other people, you know? Um, I love so, that. And if yeah. you ever start to overthink it, just reach out to me
0: and Ariane and we can tell you about some <laughs> way that we've made it totally awkward. Them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ping us on the old social medias, yeah. and we'll hook you up,
2: <laughs> Christina. On your on your wellness hours, are these like on Wednesday at one o'clock every Wednesday, or is this everyone else? Everyone gets to kind of pick when that wellness hour is according to their schedule.
1: Yeah, it's um, once a month on Fridays. Actually, okay. our wellness, our monthly wellness for October is tomorrow at nine a.m. Pacific okay. Standard Time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just a a hold in the calendar, you know, we try to avoid any meetings during that time and, you know, if people just kind of do it on their own, it just doesn't mean as much, you know, the idea is like, we're committed, we're giving ourselves each permission to take this hour. And I I think that's also part of the bonding is when you're like, Mm -hmm. we're going to do this together. So that's kind of, you know, there's a little bit of boundary, right? Um, yeah. There's also flexibility. Like not everyone could do that. Sometimes there's a limitation and, and that's
2: okay too. Are y'all on Zoom together doing this?
1: Nope. We're okay. we just check in on Slack. We share out, you know, what's what, what did you I do? do? What
2: did you do? Like yep. did you ah. read a book. Did you enjoy your book? I yep. enjoyed yoga or whatever the thing yep. is.
1: Okay, cool. Yeah. Share pictures it's and really
2: simple guys. Accountability. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just having yeah. that
2: check in. Yeah.
1: yeah. But that there's, is like think about what that's I'm do what tomorrow. we
2: that's why this conversation is so important because we are we are the leaders of our organizations and we are overthinking how simple <laughs> it really could be. Yeah. And how powerful th- there how much power there is in the simplicity of it. Like yeah. just just put a hold on the, everyone's calendar yeah. and yeah. just let them do their thing
1: and get yeah. a wellness buddy.
2: Yeah. yeah. And and have also, one,
1: get one. And also like, I, I've talked to a few other, you know, leaders that are trying to figure this out and like, some people aren't cut out for it. Like it's just going to be awkward. So Mm -hmm. find someone that's going to be really good. You know, it has to be authentic. Right. So, um, and also like Ariane, you brought up the meditation thing. So we are looking at that. We brought in a wellness coach that brings in like yoga, breathing and Mm -hmm. business as a way Mm -hmm. to create productivity and just wellness in the workplace. And, um, I am, I'm real, this is my weakness. Like I'm, I'm an executor. I'm not one that like does a bunch of chit chat before meetings. So (laughs) she's going to be telling us the tools. And I'm probably one of the biggest beneficiaries of this, which is like (laughs) how to like create that space of connection before. And she did this like really interesting breathing exercise and, Um. you know, anyway, I'm not the person to lead the team on that. I actually call on others on our team that are really good at it. If I were to do that, like it would just not work out. So. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. We, we've done this, like, I don't know what it's called. Body slap is what I feel like it's called. Just warm up your, your (laughs) senses and you start from the ground and you work your way up to your body and just kind of
1: tap around
2: your whole body like and we've even done it with clients before and it is weird. And mm, everyone's weird. like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And, but it, everyone at the end is like, heart rate's a little up. You're a little sweaty. You're a little vulnerable and you're like, okay, I'm mm. a little woken up now. Yeah. You're woken so, up. You're yeah. Woken. And it takes like 30 seconds. So it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun hmm. to do those type of things. Um, cool. But, yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> the I moral of the- I think the moral of the story is a little awkward is okay. Yeah, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, So really quick, I want to end with a discussion about the power of curating connections. Uh, It's one of our core values. You mentioned the value of being bold as well, another core value. Um, And I've heard it echoed in challenges in your spaces in, yes, I've heard like the lack of connection as being another challenge in the innovation space. So we're an industry of islands sometimes, you know, we silo ourselves to death, but the real world doesn't exist in a vacuum. So neither can we. And I love that you've called yourself a collaborative provocateur.
1: Uh,
0: so tell us more.
1: Yeah. And I don't really, they're, they're just the two of them. I feel like I'm both what it is together. I am sure it's something. Um, but yeah, I, I strongly believe in collaboration. Um, there is just um, kind of going back from my perspective with all the different organizations we work with, there's so many shared sentiments, experiences, challenges, and interests. So, you know, there's more that can be accomplished when we're working together. I mean, it, I know it sounds super simple, but as a very siloed industry, are we doing all that we can to create meaningful collaborative spaces? Mm. And I think the provocateur is just, you know, kind of goes back to always challenging the status quo. I am really driven by thinking about better ways to do things. So we have no shortage of working groups and meetings and things like that. But it's like, what's really missing from that? And what do we need to do to really get better outcomes? So I really think about how we can increase collaboration because it's needed, but do it in a meaningful way that things get done and that, you know, the problems that need solving are being prioritized. Um, and I'm a little biased because that's what I do every day at Aisle. I mean, that's what we're all about is bringing like-minded leaders, those that wanna be a part of change together. Um, it's a lot of work to find them and to bring them together, but we just have such great partners and, um, And yeah, so it just goes back to collaboration. You just can't get anything done if you're on your own. Right. Yeah.
0: And it's strength in numbers. You know, Mm you—it's it's what is it? The squeaky wheel gets the grease. just The louder the squeaker is, you know, the more grease you get. I don't know where I'm going with that metaphor. But yeah,
1: yeah, that strength in in numbers, that voice. You know, something else I think about um, is the power of economies of scale. I'm kind of bringing like more economic lingo here. Yeah. Yeah. but if you think about the water industry, water industry has so much potential of influence that I I think is untapped. I don't think it's because yeah. people aren't thinking about it. I just think the energy to really focus on it is just, it's being spent in so many different places.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if you think about uh, water utilities and think about supply chains, you know, the vendors and the resources that are going to all these utilities to keep them running, like chemicals um, and things like that, like... How can utilities come together? This goes back to collaboration, and maybe this is more regionally. How can they come together to create more um, collaborative frameworks or create economies of scale where they can all benefit and share in sharing costs, or have more influence, yes. or have more leverage? And going back to your point in silos, like I'm surprised to work with so many organizations that work within or that are within like a 50 mile radius but they're not talking and imagine how much leverage you can have with vendors and with other partners if you come together i just think there's a lot of potential there um yeah that's just untapped right now so i'm excited to continue to explore that
0: yeah yeah i, I think my call to action for this conversation really like there's been so many um, touch points but you know if you ever feel in a situation where someone is asking you or challenging you to think about things a little differently or see things from a different perspective, I just challenge you to step into that awkwardness and that discomfort and to go with it because you are going to walk away Mm -hmm. changed and likely changed for the better. And it's those uncomfortable conversations um, that have really grown me as an individual and as a leader. So I challenge everyone to kind of step into that space and just be ready for what happens on the other side because it's it's going to push you. Well, uh, this has been great. I love it. I, again, I see so many threads between our parallel missions in certain ways and just the things that challenge you at all, it all to me ultimately comes down to people and relationships and leadership. And and those are all uh, incredibly important topics to talk about. But before we let you go, we we Mm want to run you through our lightning round because we did not do that with you before. And (laughs) these are all tied to our core values. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's where that comes from. But yeah, uh, I think you kick it off. Sure, I can.
1: I was okay. like, I have to kick it off. I don't know. <laughs> no, That's like, right. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: ask yourself any one question. Um, <laughs> name a moment that you have felt the most authentically you.
1: So this honestly is a really hard question to answer because I'm like, I hope I'm authentic all the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, moment, I think, you know, what really comes to mind is just being with family and mm-hmm. friends. I mean, my closest friends I've known for like 20 years nice. and just, yeah, ultimately like the ultimate vulnerability, uh, laughing without, you know, um, caring who, cause mm-hmm. I have a very kind of obnoxious laugh actually, <laughs> Ooh, um,
2: challenge accepted. Yeah. yeah. so,
1: so I think that's like, those are times I felt most authentic and like family, of course. I mean, yeah. um, yeah, there's, I'm thinking about times like around holidays, we get together and we play a lot of games oh, and yeah. super competitive. I'm the oldest. I of can only imagine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: Like elbows flying. Yeah, like, I bet. Know, It's, it's fun. So yeah, those are just some authentic moments that stand out. <laughs> I thought you were going to say while meditating. Just kidding. Um, oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so this is a fill in the blank here. I'm so glad I met
1: blank this year. Oh, wow. Um, I haven't met a lot of people this year. This is a good. (laughs) This is like, honestly a good point. Um, you know, important to network and meet people virtually, even though there's a pandemic, I will admit, I have not done the best job at that. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I, I know I've met amazing people, but I just, yeah. Yeah, no, that's fine. I get it. It's hard. This is, yeah. I mean, come to Catalyst. I'll
0: introduce <laughs> you to some pe- people.
2: Maybe, okay. But like you and everybody else, I feel like, like you and every, you're not alone in that. You know, that's a hard, if you asked me that, I'd be like, uh, okay. You know
1: what? I, I have an answer for you. Um, Meeting more of my neighbors. How about that? Oh, like, hey, yeah. Getting yeah. to know my community. I've been yeah. so present locally. I live in a community that I think is very unique, um, it and is. becoming super passionate about local issues. And actually now I remember I met my city council member this year. Yeah, um, you did. Nice. And that was probably, some, yeah, that was a great exchange. So okay. I'll leave it right there, but there, yeah. there, there's your answer. <laughs> there you
2: go. Oh, my turn. Here uh, <laughs> I forget who really lightning is it? No, it's like it the is. slowest. Um, this is like a Texas afternoon shower. Mm-hmm. Um, boldness looks like blank Fill in filler in. Yeah. I courage
1: is what stands out. Um, yeah, just like authenticity. Um, I think being compassionate is another kind of, uh, to me, what represents courage is being compassionate and, um, yeah, authentic. So mm, nice.
0: Uh, I stay curious by blank.
1: Okay. So definitely I feel like I'm a lifelong learner. I'm always learning new things. Um, but my husband keeps me curious. And I, what I mean by that is he's a physicist. So (laughs) my world since him and I've been together, um, is just like, you know, we're always questioning, like, you know, bigger picture around us. And I think, yeah, just learning more about our universe and about physics and nature. Um, that's the other, so my husband, but also just like my passion for nature and following naturalists, um, that I really admire that, that are doing great work. Their life's work is just contributed so much. Um, just doing that, uh, fills me with a lot of curiosity. I want to learn more and it's, mm-hmm. it's shaping my worldview and driving my interest in other areas. So Yeah.
2: Nice. I go to work every day so that my neighbors can blank. Fill in the blank. So, one of my neighbors,
1: it's an Airbnb. So, I'm definitely here working. I could see over their fence and they're having a great time. So, yeah, my neighbors uh are different every day. My adjacent neighbor and uh I want to know what they do for work cuz uh there's people here Monday through Friday just kicking back. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'm back to back
0: question. So sorry. What's something that you're deeply grateful for?
1: Yeah, I think this year particularly has really, um, spotlighted this for me. First and foremost are the people around me, the support system that I have. I call it my tribe.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so
1: that's my, that's my family, um, close friends. That's just been so incredibly important over this past year. Um, and then my health i mean just being healthy and being able to do the things that um i want to do and can do i did an awesome hike this summer and um just doing those types of things i just really feel grateful for for that physical health that i have so yeah family friends and health
0: awesome and awesome. uh, so last question this one's an easy one just kidding um <laughs> so in our line of work we're trying to get create behavior change. That's our ultimate goal. But, you know, sometimes folks will say, well, what difference does it make if I change? I'm just one person, but we obviously disagree with that. So what would you say that's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately
1: change the world? I think compassion for others and coming together is just something that I think is so important. Um, that sense of community um, and coming together, I mean, we if we're going to continue to uh, create uh, a better quality of life for all, I think that's so important. I think specifically the issues that I'm really um, paying attention to right now is obviously water quality and the environment and climate change. So um, compassion, community, and on those issues, I think it's just uh, so important. Yeah, agreed. Awesome.
0: Love, Love it. Well, uh, I promise you, we will post this one. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I just, I uh, hey, we we've been on the other end of that, so we know like what a bummer that was. But it's never yeah. because we did it. There was something wrong with that. It was just you know timing. audio issues. Yeah, no yeah, worries. <laughs> all that. So, but I'm I'm so glad that that just gave us an excuse to talk more and yeah. to and to get this one in the book. So incredibly grateful for your time and for being generous with us for that. And I hope that this is the beginning of, of, yes, the first of many conversations because you are our go-to innovation guru. So thank Mm -hmm. you for all the work you do for the industry and for spending some time with us today. Mm -hmm. Yes,
2: thank you.
1: Thank you. And I am just so glad we met. Um, And yeah, you guys are a big source of inspiration for me and being bold leaders and kind of going against the tide and creating and doing all the good work you're doing. So, um, yeah, just thanks for being part of my tribe.
0: Yay. Oh, we're in. Yes. Yes. (laughs) We are so grateful for each and every one of you, all the members of our listening community. The water in real life podcast is a rogue water lab original. It's hosted by the H2 duo. That's us, Stephanie Corso and Ariane Shipley. It's produced by rogue water lab, 12 midnight and Matt black sound sound design and music by Andre Black and Matt McNeil of Matt Black Sound.
2: For more water in real life, check out our YouTube channel and sign up for our lab notes. You can find both at roguewaterlab.org.